You're listening to the weekly podcast for Hillcrest Covenant Church. For more information, go to hillcrestcovenant.org. Good morning. My name is Nicole. I am married to one husband. Thank the Lord. And we have two sons, um, Brandon, who is 12, and Luke, who is 20 months. And in the end of May or maybe early June, we'll be welcoming our third. And so, yes, thank you. I need all of the prayers, please. I realize I'll be going into zone defense. I was watching my son play basketball yesterday. I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be crazy. It's okay. God is in control. Um, I have been on staff here for almost five years now, and it has been a, just a privilege. I moved here from the West Coast, and my family celebrated Christmas early this year. Uh, my mom flew us to Disneyland, and we were able to celebrate all together as a family um, Christmas over Thanksgiving. And so I thought I would share a little bit of my time there as it brought great joy and other things too. Um, so Disneyland has created this space where um, it's brand new. It's all the Star Wars um, themed everything. And so you walk into this land, the Star Wars land, and you really feel like you're in the movie. I mean, it's incredibly well done. You forget that you're in the middle of a crazy metropolitan city with um, hotels all around you. And somehow you almost forget about all the people surrounding you as well. It was even crazy, like the um, um, fabric they had draped was so well done. Chewie was walking around, you know, all of these uh, characters and everyone's talking to you in a language that I have no idea what they're saying. Uh, I was ordering food. I'm like, oh, you want my money? That's what you're asking for. Okay. So it was just, uh, just this fabulous time of almost just being transformed into a different place. Um, but there was some unexpected joy um, that happened as well. My 20-month-old saw all of these um, little kids holding these bubble things, uh, machines, really, and it's really, it's a trap for parents that go there because anyone who has a little kid wants that bubble machine, those kids, and then you just give them money. Like, I don't know how it works, but you just do it. And so we got in the machine, and unexpectedly, I had no idea how much joy it would bring him. It brought so much joy that he would take the machine and put it in people's faces and be like, bubbles, all over the park. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. Um, and to the fact that it, it affected him in his sleep, my husband and I would wake up for days after, and we would hear him talking in his sleep saying, bubbles, bubbles. And I was like, wow, this really marked his little heart. Like, he really found joy in those bubbles, right? We got home and I was kind of flipping through my pictures, just reflecting on the beautiful time that we had. And unbeknownst to me, I saw my 12-year-old Brandon having so much joy over my son, Luke, meeting Mickey Mouse for the first time. And it just did something to me. Um, it spoke like big volumes of our job is to rejoice in the joy of others. Isn't that so true? Like, even when it doesn't benefit us, you know, we, it's just, it's magical. It's the happiest place on earth, right? Until you wait in line for 80 minutes to ride the Star Wars ride with your 20-month-old. Yeah. 
So this whole season, we're talking about wonder, the wonder of God. And today I'm going to talk about the wonder of a promise and how God has been so faithful through his promises to us. In the Old Testament, God used prophets and messengers to speak to his people, to give messages, to tell them how to follow him and obey him, and how to glorify him. They gave promises of what was to come. And long before Jesus came, the prophets were speaking about God coming. So we read in Isaiah, For us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and the peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I just think as an Israelite, hearing that you're in such anticipation for this king, right? You are looking to the future of the promise of this. We see in Zechariah, the promises continue. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is so humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Again, the last prophecy actually before John the Baptist um, comes into picture is in Malachi. It states, I will send my messenger. Who will prepare the way before me? Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. We're sitting in anticipation, waiting for this promise, and yet year after year after year after year, they don't see the Savior. They're waiting and waiting. And I could relate to this so well. The promises that we wait for the Lord. Sometimes God gives us a promise, but we get distracted and consumed with the present world in our lives. We know, we know God is sovereign and he is in control. We've seen over and over that he is faithful to his people. He's rescued us and his people over and over again. But yet somehow we doubt. And then reflecting this and asking myself why, I think we try to take control. We want to take matters into our own hands. We find ourselves trying to provide justice and a plan of action to get us where we want to go. There's example after example of this in the scripture. We're in good company. <laughs> the Israelites um, are in the wilderness. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. Jesus, or God comes in the form of a fire and um, cloud. They see and feel the trembling of his power. And yet, Moses took too long. And they gather gold and they make themselves of an idol. God led the Israelites by a pillar of cloud and fire into the promised land. They get into the promised land and they're like, all right, now bring us a king. I just, this is my thoughts, but I'm like, the Lord's like, are you kidding? A king? A man? But God is sovereign and does it. Saul comes in the picture, and Saul fails. And I think when we lose our distraction between idols and things and people, we lose our focus on God. 
we make it something it's not. So I want to pick up the story with John the Baptist and his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and it's 400 years, give or take, um, from the last prophecy in Malachi. So let's read this together. In the time of Herod the king of Judea, the priest named Zechariah, who belonged to both the, or belonged to the priestly division of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth, who also was a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. They were both very old. I mean, being written about being very old seems pretty rude, but that's just me. I think the thing I took away from this scripture was that God saw them righteous. They were faithful people. They were upholding the law and all of the commands, and and yet there was still pain in their lives. Elizabeth did not have the desire of her heart, and neither did Zechariah. The scripture goes on to say that Zechariah's division was on duty. He was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the customs of the priesthood and to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all assembled worshipers were praying outside. So both Elizabeth and Zechariah were from priestly line, which is um, fulfilling God's prophecies. And uh, it was his time to be serving in the temple. It was the most coveted um, duty that Zechariah got chosen to do. So he was inside, it's called the holy place, not the holy of holies, but the holy place. There was a golden altar there where they burned incense, um, morning and at night. And it says that uh, they sacrificed a lamb. The people were outside praying in silence, and they would burn incense on this altar, and all would be to go and to worship and glorify God in this. So it's in this place that an angel comes to talk to Zechariah. The angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. There's the promise of God to Zechariah, right? You will bear a son and his name shall be John. The scripture goes on to say that the angel gave him many more promises about who his son will be, and I just thought I would um, read some of those to you. You will bear a son. He will give you joy and delight. Many are going to rejoice over his birth because God will be lifted high. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit before his birth. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, I could use a little encouragement from an angel right now going into three, just saying. The part in this that I want to continue to look at is the responses of the people in this story. 
Zechariah's response to the angel was doubt. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in the years. To say that the angel was frustrated was an understatement. The, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Zachariah's response in doubt led to mutinous, losing his voice, and ultimately losing his authority. Sometimes I think we see the obstacles instead of the power of God. Sometimes I think we miss it. Sometimes we question the process instead of trusting the truth of the Lord. The truth is that we have a choice in how to respond. We have a choice in how to respond to God and to his people. We're gonna kind of switch gears now and go into how Elizabeth responded to this news. This part in the, in the, in the scripture is my favorite part. So Zachariah then goes home, right? Can't talk. And Elizabeth, I'm sure, greets him like, hey, it's been a week, how are you doing? How did it go? I'm sure his gestures were like. Anything great happen? I mean, I just, I feel like it would be really amusing for me at least um, to, to, to experience quietness. It says here that um, then Elizabeth became pregnant. And I was reflecting on this, I was like, silence equals pregnancy. <laughs> Interesting. There's a lesson there. Okay, moving on. Okay, so after Elizabeth gets pregnant, her response is that she goes into seclusion and she celebrates. It says that she shouts to pray. She says, how kind is the Lord? I just feel like that's a beautiful response to the promises of God, right? The scripture then goes on to um, talking about Mary receiving an angel of um, the prophecy that she would become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And um, the very end of that scripture, the angel says, oh, and by the way, your uh, relative Elizabeth, you know how she's really old, um, she's pregnant. And Mary's response wasn't one of, oh, look at me, like I'm gonna bear the child of God. But instead it says that she ran to Elizabeth. She ran to celebrate her. Isn't that beautiful? She runs to celebrate Elizabeth's joy. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed, and here's the promise, is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. See, Elizabeth spoke truth over Mary. 
She spoke encouragement in this moment. Mary bore a son without being married. In a sense, she bore the scarlet letter. And Elizabeth believed and had faith. She celebrated the faith of Christ. I just think that that's how Mary got through her pregnancy of remembering the excitement and encouragement from Elizabeth. The whole takeaway from this, I think, is for us is when we speak, we should be speaking and proclaiming the love of Jesus and encouraging the community. The community also had a response in this story. It says that her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared in her joy. Just as Brandon shared in the joy over bubbles, the community shared over the miracle of Christ, or of her being pregnant with John. On the eighth day, it was custom that the um, boys would be circumcised, and so they came to her house to do that. It was also customary that the father would then name the son. But Zachariah being mute and not being able to do that, the person who circumcised um, John said his name should be Zachariah. It was custom to name your son after the father. And Elizabeth steps in and says, no, 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 his name shall be John. And then the community there is like, you're crazy, lady. There's no one in your family named John. Like, that's, that's not custom. We should name him Zachariah. There was doubt. Sometimes, I know for myself, we think when something should be as it is and it isn't, we try to rationalize it in our brain. We try to make sense of it. But in reality, there's a gap between what we think is true and what God's plans and purposes are. What happens is we then protest and argue and fight with one another in this. It's at this moment that Zachariah then steps in, grabs a board and writes on the board, no, his name shall be John. The one who had the right for his son to have his name speaks, or in this case, writes the truth of the Lord. Instantly, Zachariah's voice is returned and he becomes filled with the Holy Spirit. The promises were fulfilled John was conceived, he was born, and Zachariah's speech returned. When promises are fulfilled, the wonder of the promise spreads. It says the community thought and wondered about who John would be. All the neighbors were filled with awe. Throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. Isn't that beautiful? When God comes and fulfills, his name is spread. We can see that through this story, we all have a choice on how to respond to God and to one another. We can be like Zachariah and we can question and we can doubt. In James, it says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. May we be people that are not blown and tossed by the wind, but anchored in the truth of who God is. 
enacts, it says, look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you will never believe, even if someone told you. God's ways are so much higher than ours. His leadership foresees so much more than what we can process or, or understand. I think the other way to respond is to accept, exclaim truth, and encourage one another. In Matthew 21, 21, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what is done to the fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Again in a mark, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. God is inviting us to trust him in the process, to not doubt, to have faith. I didn't want to end without talking about that this story, we see three different people being filled with the Holy Spirit. We see John being filled with the Holy Spirit when he sees Jesus. Well, he's in the womb, can't really see. But what's interesting to me is that John recognized Jesus as king before anyone else did. We see Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when Mary came to visit her. Elizabeth's posture was one of faith, joy, and truth that she knew the miracle that happened to Mary, that God was coming. Zachariah was filled with the Holy Spirit in truth and faith of what God had told him. He said, your name will be John. He went against what was popular, what was comfortable, what others were saying, and he got filled. He then praised the Lord. When we keep our focus on God, we see and we treat one another as children of God. We really see each other as God does. It's then when miracles happen. The Spirit fills us, promises are fulfilled, and our voices are heard and not silenced in society. The community sees the wonder of God and the awe of God is revealed and the name of Jesus is spread and God's goodness is known, amen? So I wanted to end today um, with Zachariah's prophecy over John. As I read this, it, something overcame me and I really felt like the prophecy is for the children of God, for us so I want to read to you and just invite you just to really focus in on what God's saying through this to you. The promises of Zechariah over John into us. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Why? Because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has redeemed us. He has sent us his mighty savior. We are now saved from our enemies and from all that hate us. He has been merciful to us by remembering his covenant with Abraham. He has been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear and holiness and righteousness for as long as we shall live. We will be called prophet of the Most High because we prepare the way of the Lord and we tell people how to find salvation through forgiveness of our sins. I want to read this last 
bit of um, John's, um, sorry, Zechariah's prayer over John. And I just invite you to stand with me as I read it as a blessing over you. And you, my child, will be called prophet of most high. For you will go on before the Lord and prepare a way for him. To give his people knowledge of salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God. By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet on the path of peace. May we be people that shine God's light on others. We know the light outshines the darkness. May we be people of peace that guide all people to understanding of the God we love and serve. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hillcrest. 